It's good to be here with you guys tonight. Um, yeah, as Ryan said, I'm the high school pastor, um, so I've been messing with high schoolers and junior hires and student ministry and a lot of you guys for years. Uh, I figured because I know a lot of you guys, um, but I also don't know a lot of you guys. You see a lot of new faces. There's a lot of people that come in through young adults, so I figured I'd kind of... Uh, Give you a little bit of background, uh, a little bit of my story. Um, if you know me, you could go to sleep now. Um, uh, but it's kind of relative to my talk tonight and what, uh, where I'm going to go and what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be in Matthew 26, uh, 36. So if you want to go there, uh, if you don't, we're going to throw it up on the screen. Uh, but I am married. Some of you guys know my wife, Amanda. She is a part of A minor. She was here last week with Amy. And also, I guess they added a new member, E flat or whatever her name is. is that. <laughs> Um, and so um, me and Cody and Amanda and Amy have been doing ministry together for uh, over eight years, I think it is now. And so, uh, yeah, we had some really, we had some good times in youth together. Uh, we did junior high and high school at the same time. We managed to get away with shooting kids with paintball guns. Um, we had a guy light his face on fire in front of 200 junior hires. That was awesome. Um, Kids were crying, kids were filming, kids were cheering, they didn't know what was going on. So we've had uh, some good times, and through those uh, eight years, I got married, so me and my wife are going to be celebrating uh, seven years in November, yeah, and, um, and then uh, I, became a, I became a father this year, so, uh, homie looks like a ninja turtle right there. Did you see that? And then that, he just clowned around. He's four months, and I'm beaming. I love it. It's the best thing ever. You guys should have one. Um, <laughs> get married for stuff. Anyways, uh, so uh, about 10 years ago, uh, a girl brought me to this church and then dumped me, and it was the best thing ever, okay? And then all couples just got nervous right now. Um, they're like, you're not going to. Uh, and, and so I had grown up in the church, but I didn't have a, if you've ever heard that, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I just grew up in the church, uh, kind of a legalistic uh, uh, family, uh, no father. My, my dad belled at six months. <laughs> I get jealous of my son sometimes. Uh, and uh, I make really uncomfortable dad jokes. So, sorry if you're uncomfortable. I love it. My wife hates them. Cody loves them now. If you know me, um, and this is why I'm going to help you hopefully tonight, hopefully I can help you tonight, kind of deal with your garbage, because uh, for the last 10 years I've been dealing with mine, and it all kind of came out of family of origin stuff, the lack of a father, and so I have really ruthless dad jokes, okay? I don't have like lame dad jokes like your dad's. I have really good ones. Um, <laughs> Me, Cody, and Doyle, his dad, we were, uh, and one of our other pastors, we were driving through, if you guys know Oak Middle School, and uh, there was a corner where Cody used to get picked up um, uh, after school, and Doyle goes, you remember that corner? And Cody goes, yeah, I spent a lot of time on that corner. And he goes, that's probably what's wrong with me. And he goes, I just was constantly waiting around for you, and I told him, I said, I'm still waiting for my dad to pick me up. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so. Um, the reason I can joke like that is because I can still cry about it, um, and I can, I can still feel the pain of my life and the absence of my father, rejection, abandonment, and all that comes with the lack of a father figure, right? And some of you guys have uh, a presently absent father, but you're ignoring the fact that your dad uh, isn't involved in your life, right? And so you're like, that went south. Um, and so uh, we're going to look at this passage, we're going to take a look at uh, Jesus um, in Gethsemane. And so I'm going to kind of open up with this passage, and then we're going to unpack it 
and take some things about what is called emotional health. Okay, and so the premise tonight is from Peter Scazzaro. Peter Scazzaro wrote one of my favorite books. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, my therapist gave that to me. Um, and, and so me and my wife, we go to marriage counseling. We've been doing that for about four or five years. And that's been a part of my journey, especially because over the last 10 years, I've started to kind of unpack. Um, I had this amazing conversation with Cody's dad, our senior pastor, Doyle. And he taught me something very interesting. Because when I, um, when I started seeking God, I was actually seeking God for a girl. And so um, I wasn't actually seeking God first. That's how it kind of always works. I don't know if you know that, okay? It's all through the Psalms. Is you never seek God first, okay? You think you do. And that's why you even focus on how you love Jesus. That's, the, that's wrong. You need to focus on how Jesus loves you, okay? That's the game changer. When you focus on how you love Jesus, they don't work that way, okay? Because you suck at it. So do I. I just know it. Uh, it's, not, it's not a problem. It's just human nature. And so, um, so, so, so I would have these, like, I was, I was a mess. And so I get dumped, and I'm just like, ah, right? And it was the first time I ever got dumped, not because I was awesome, just because I was too scared of commitment and all that good stuff, okay? And I didn't really like them anyway. And so um, I get dumped, and that kind of sent me, like, searching for God, but for a girl. And so I'd have these like wine nights, like reading the Psalms. I wasn't saved, I didn't know Jesus. And like, the scriptures don't work when you're drunk, you guys. So don't do that, okay? <laughs> do not do that, okay? I was like, oh my God. And it was the wine. And so since then, I've learned to read scripture sober. Um, and I now understand. And so I have this conversation with Doyle, and he said, you know, you could be a Christian and not be healthy. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And I thought he was talking about, like, dieting, and I'm like, okay. Um, and he goes, no, you could, you, could be, you could be a non-Christian and be healthy. And I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, there's a, look, salvation doesn't mean you're a healthy person. And so he was kind of teaching me some leadership things on, like, you know, who you're going to deal with, who you're going to encounter, who's going to, all this different stuff. And he was kind of also, I think, sharing with me, because um, he knew my story, on like, hey, you need to also figure some things out. And it was one of the greatest conversations I ever have, because that kind of sent me into what I've been doing for the last 10 years, especially the kind of latter half of those 10 years is figuring out why do we do what we do? Like why do I, my background's in like sociology, a little bit of psychology, um, going to school at Long Beach State, any dirt bags? All right. I don't get like why y'all fired about your school. That never made sense to me. Um, and, and so that kind of sent me into this thing. Then me and my wife get into counseling, and that's when I find this book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Now, when you read the book, you pretty much need like a blankie and a bed, because every sentence you read, it's so deep, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, my life. <laughs> I remember when my teacher said that in third grade, you know? You got like art scars. Do you guys know what art scars are? This is why you don't try new things. There's a term called art scars. And the reason you don't keep doing new things is because you're so afraid of messing up. You're afraid of shame. We live in a shame culture. Shout out to Brene Brown, right? If you guys don't know who she is, but even she doesn't know what she's talking about. So um, got to go gospel, man. And so, so all that to say is we start going to therapy and it was the best thing. And we still go because we call it preventative medicine. Uh, we go once a month, and we just check in, and we talk, and like, now we have a kid. Now what do we do with that? Now this, that, and the other thing, and it's a beautiful thing. In fact, my therapist talked here at Mental Health Night, Lisa Dunn. She's incredible. She's like, don't, you don't need to say hi to me in public. It's fun. I'm like, Lisa, right? You changed our life. <laughs> I don't care. I'm just like, you want to kick it? 
So, Matthew 36, enough, here we go. Then Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there. <laughs> so funny. No, but no, this is like, sit here while I go over there uh, and pray. He took Peter, that's good, we're gonna go back to that pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. We're gonna go back to those two words as well. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So here's what we're gonna look at, that suffering, okay? So here's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about his soul. It's not about this, this visceral, right, this soul. What is your soul? What is he feeling? What is going on in this moment is this. So I'm at the visceral part of his being to the core. If you've ever been dumped in high school, you know, right? You're like, oh, you're crushed. Or at 21, like you guys. And, and so it's like this painful thing, but like don't compare your breakup to Jesus and what he's going through. But he's suffering. And it says he's troubled and overwhelmed with sorrow. So here's what we're talking about. It's emotional. Peter Scazzaro says this, is that you cannot become spiritually mature unless you become emotionally mature. So are you note takers? You cannot become spiritually mature unless you become emotionally mature. And so you, so you could be like up to your neck in Jesus, if you will, or you could just be all doing, you could be in every little ministry here, whatever, but if you're not becoming emotionally mature, your spiritual maturity, your spiritual growth is stagnant. You tracking with me? They're, 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 they're in bed together, okay? They're, they're married. They're one. You cannot have one without the other. And so in this moment, these, what Jesus is going through is we're seeing him in his pain. Now, throughout the scriptures, you see Jesus experience the spectrum of emotion, human emotion. And so we live in a culture that we know what to do with all of our good emotions, right? Our happy thoughts, all that. We just keep those going. We write songs about them, really annoying, repetitive, Pharrell, right? It's like Pharrell used to be good. What happened? Now you wrote, happy. <laughs> oh my God, what is happening these days? So you have, you have Jesus, right? And, and here's, here's, here's what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. And if you look in, Jesus was the most emotional human to ever live. He was the most emotional. And what I mean by that is he felt the right emotion during or at the right time. He knew how to feel and embrace the right emotion, right? He said, Jesus wept, right? Jesus experienced joy. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus experienced the spectrum of emotion. And so Jesus being a human being, though he is divine, the son of God, he's the Messiah, he's God incarnate, you have, Jesus also had a human nature. And so to be human is to feel. If you are human, you will feel. That's a part of being human. And we live in a society that tries to suppress any negative emotion, any, any painful emotion. So sociologists, anthropologists, psychologists say that today um, is, is in, in human history, we are the least prepared for death, suffering, and pain of any kind. What we try to do, especially in our Western world, is we try to suppress it. We try to avoid it. We don't want, all we want is happy thoughts, right? And, and all we want to do is experience, and if you, 
even if you if you've ever been to a, a, a funeral, at a funeral there's 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 this pressure, there's this weird awkwardness going on, and people aren't actually experiencing the emotions they need to experience during death. And they they it's very distant, it's very cold, it's very they don't know what to do. And so Jesus is showing us right here. Right now in this passage, right, we are he's days, if you will, weeks maybe um, before he's about to go to the cross and he's in this moment and he has this extreme suffering. He's feeling overwhelmed with, with, with he's troubled, he's overwhelmed with sorrow. And so here's what I'm suggesting is this. Jesus had pain, you have pain, I have pain. Some of you, some of you, who, who's telling me they have a life for them, a good friend of mine, I can't remember who it is, like he, he said, I kind of got like pitched a, uh, like a softball pitch. Right, so some of you guys, and then some of you guys are at bat with Randy Johnson, okay? Um, if you don't know who that is, you're under a rock. Um, and so... And, and so some of you, I say it this way, some of you are born in the fourth quarter down 30 points. That's a hard game to win, yo. But here's the deal. Some of us, right, have this emotional baggage. Some of us have a small amount, and some of us have an enormous amount. Um, shout out to Royal Family, right? A bunch of you guys went out there. So every kid, every kid at that camp was born in the fourth down 50 probably. They have the worst lives. If you're out there, the, the, the systems they're in, the systems, uh, it, is, it is one of the most, and for those guys to overcome what they went through, it's going to take a lot of, every, every pass has to be the right pass, the bounce pass, the chest pass, the lob, everything, right? You, and then some of us have the most amazing parents, we're loved, we're valued, we know we belong, we have people that believe in us. Um, and you don't have to feel guilty about that. Um, you just need to feel responsible. And so in that, understanding that, um, the person that has it all put together, or it looks like they have it all put together, I think that it's harder for them to see that they have crap in their life. Um, Project 54 is coming. You, ha- you have to go. It's going to be so good. If you haven't, you have to go. It's Because here's why. Look at your, your Hyundai payment and your Korean barbecue can wait a little bit. Okay? You're such young adults. That's how you know you've made it. Um, I was up in an area called the Tenderloin, uh, I think a week ago, while you guys were up at Royal Family. I take a bunch of high schoolers to one of the most violent places in San Francisco. Smart guy. And we essentially, it's a church that actually shares a wall with a sex club in which they showed the very first pornographic film um, publicly. So talk about light and darkness. And so it costs about $20, and usually people just go in there and have sex. They have different rooms, all this stuff. Well, this church has been there for about 30 years. And I get really excited about Project 54 and what's going on and what you guys are doing with Kyle and Kyle's vision. Everyone's jumping in because that thing is taking off, and it reminds me of Project 54. They have a school, right? One of, their, one of their goals is to intervene, like their whole vision is intervene on behalf of, uh, of the Tenderloin, and they want to grab the pimps off the street when they're five years old before they become pimps and so um so i was up there and um there's so if you've been out to project 54 there's like no filter man there's like there's no filter you they can't have one 
They live in tents. Like, hey, and, and so we walk around the corner. We're, we're in the Tenderloin, and, and every once in a while we were able to go in the city because they have the best Urban Outfitters ever there. And so um, we go and visit that when we have free time, and we're coming back, and we all walk around the corner, and there's a woman just literally bent over going to the bathroom on the sidewalk, and she goes, sorry! And I was like, okay. Right? Like, go this way. There, there's, there's no room. There's no room there to hide behind anything. So they're just blunt. So they, they just tell you what's going on. They're kind of, they're just kind of honest. And yeah, there's a little bit of their like, kind of, what, what are you about? But um, it's really easy for us to hide behind our perfect little lives that you don't really have. Just because you want it to be good doesn't mean it's good. Just because you wish things were different doesn't mean they are. But we're really good at telling stories we're really good at telling ourselves and adopting false narratives to make us feel better because we don't want to feel the pain that we have. And I'm not saying to just get all weird and like everything's an issue in your life, okay? Like not all my issues are my dad. Like some of it's just me because I'm a rotten dude. Like I'm just like not that good of a guy. You know what I told my wife when she was pregnant? And then I stopped doing things like this. We were on our balcony. <laughs> And she's like, your life hasn't like really changed. You know, it's like in the beginning stages. And, and, and I got all sensitive. My ego was all. And I said, how has your life changed? You're just like more tired and you eat more. Oh, what? <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? God's still deciding if he wants to forgive me for that one. The cross is like, Why? Because I'm not awesome. I suck. God gave me a new heart. Thank God, right? So three ways. I'll just go real quick through these. Is You have Eastern, you have our, our, our secularism, and then you have our Western Christianity. And it's, right, Eastern is to detach. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the, just, I'll get, we don't get to get into it, but just to detach from emotion, because that's where all evil comes from, is desire, right? That's kind of blanket statement on Eastern religion stuff, and I'm just kind of blanketing it. But then you have secularism, and it's kind of like, eh, we're all screwed, so you mind as well, right? Just <laughs> drink wine and read the Psalms, you know? And so, I don't know. And, and then you have Western um, uh, 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 Christianity, but there's a, there's a Western spirituality is a Christian undercurrent of fake it. We fake it. Um, one guy, uh, he was interviewed, some of you guys know who Mark Clark is, um, the guy with Tourette's that spoke in main campus here. He's an awesome preacher, dude up in Canada. He interviewed a guy whose wife died um, a year after she got diagnosed with cancer at 41, then his son was uh, murdered at 21, and he interviewed him about suffering and how the church and just how people in general have, a lot of times the church, because we think we got to come, right? We think we got to come all dressed up um, for God. Some of you guys are dressed up for guys and girls, but, um, right? But, but figuratively speaking, we think we have to present ourselves like, I love Jesus. You know, you don't that much. Like, on any given day, you're pretty much, like, it's a given you love yourself, and then after that, like, you got, like, maybe a few percent for, like, people that you want something from. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, yeah, God? Christ at the center? That's really, if, you, if I'm being honest with you, that's kind of my life. I'm like, Travis. Who, Jesus what? Right? 
it's a struggle every single day. Every single day. That's why I say stupid things to my wife every single day. I'm getting better, though. We go to therapy. It's awesome. But, here, but here's the deal is all three affect you. All three affect me. All three of those things. We detach, right? We distract. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't distract. That's why, that's, that's why you consume Grey's Anatomy. Like that's the thing that's going to get you into heaven, right? You, that's why your Netflix is all day. That's why you go to the gym too much. No one cares. Someone's confused that you can like go to the gym too much. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, <laughs> come talk to me after. Um, is, is, is you, you, can, you can eat too much. Like we're, we're like, we're kind of like casual about stuffing our faces as if that's not a deeper rooted issue. <laughs> or maybe not eating. Right, that's a serious issue. And so the danger for us is that we fake it in those threes and then Jesus shows us a better way. Um, that word sorrowful is this, this idea of internal excruciating pain. Right? Just like it's in there. In trouble, Jesus is talking about this anxiety. He's upset. He, he's nervous. He's not well. He feels that anxiousness. A lot of us, we're, we're a very anxious culture. And some of us actually struggle with anxiety, right? And it's a hard thing. That's not an easy thing to deal with every day. And people want to dismiss it or you're like, I'm depressed. And you're really trying to tell them you're depressed. And like, just be happy. You're like, what the frick does that mean? You're like, what, are you going to give me a clown? <laughs> you can't just be happy. And so this is the problem. And then he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It's this dramatic, in the Greek, it's crushing him. Actually, one way it could be translated is the sorrow is crushing my life out. So Jesus is right in the thick of this emotional um, pain, and he's going, I can't be alone. And he's calling, he's calling Peter and John, he takes them with him. He's like, he can't be alone. How much more for you and I? How much more for you and I um, if Jesus needs people to also, it's just, look at your, your Christianity is holistic, yo. It's not like one dimension, it's not you, it's not a solo, okay? It's not like Western American narrative, John Wayne, Chris Kyle, sniper crap, okay? You're not a hero. Jesus is a hero. I think, what's, what's this one pastor goes, hey, when you're reading scripture, you're never Jesus, you're always the whore. I think, I think it was Mark Clark, I'm like, that was awesome, right? You're not the hero, right? You need a hero, Jesus is the hero, if you haven't figured that out, you, you're, you're reading the wrong scriptures. You're injecting your Western cultural nerve. Jesus is going, he's Jesus, he's God, and he's going, I need you, Peter. I need you, John. I need you to be with me. I'm going through it. I'm in the thick of it. I need people, right? I need people around me. He doesn't run. Look, even Jay-Z knows this, okay? I'm about to quote Jay-Z. If you haven't got his album, it's so good. Um, <laughs> this is what he says. And it was funny because I just listened to the song on the way here. Um, and the song is called Kill Jay-Z. Plug in your name. You need to kill it. You need to kill that ego. Here's what he says. Cry Jay-Z. We know the pain is real, but you can't heal what you never reveal. What? <laughs> I was like, you did, not just, you did not just drop that bar for my sermon. 
Like I had my notes prepared. I go, that's just beautiful. That's it. That's the message right there. Let's pray. Um, <laughs> sorry, I got a few more things. So <clears throat> we're really good at telling you to do spiritual disciplines, right? We're like, read your Bible, pray, <laughs> download a podcast, go listen to the podcast again and again. Right, and, and so what I realized doing high school ministry, and you guys are no different, by the way, and neither are like 50-year-olds, you're like all the same. Um, I'm at Hume Lake, um, there's like this big Christian camp, there's like thousands of kids, and we bring a group up there and, um, from all different areas, and we're a generation that loves quotes. But we just like the quote, we don't do the quote. Do the quote, man. You're like, oh, that was a good speaker and his quote. And then you like, you know, do the quote. That's the whole point. It's not to know about Jesus. It's to become like, do the things Jesus did. That's why Project 54, I'm like shamelessly plugging this. Like, it's so good. Dude, that's like royal family, right? It's like all of these things. A lot of you guys are gonna go love uh, kids uh, tomorrow uh, for VBS all week, right? Some of you guys came back for royal family, just experienced all of that. And, and, And that's doing the things. And so we're good at telling people to do like spiritual disciplines, but we don't really help people navigate through all the crap. Because it's really easy to hide behind doing good things, especially in the church. Most of you guys are like dying to find someone to marry. Marriage is awesome. But you know what? But marriage is miserable. And here's why. Here's why. My wife would agree. Because marriage exposes. I wish I could cuss right now. Um, <laughs> marriage exposes. who you really are. And if you were really honest with who you really are, you really wouldn't like that person very much. You tracking with me? So you guys are so anxious to get married because you think that this spouse has everything that will fix. Harville Hendricks, this is, I just, this is a freebie for you. Harville Hendricks he, he says this, okay? He says, the only reason people get married is, be, is because you lie to yourself about yourself and to your spouse, and then you get married. And then phase two is the power struggle. So all the married couples right now are like, I know this phase. And he says, there's something beautiful. There's something beautiful wanting to be born because what you really want is true romance, but in the beginning, there's, it's just fantasy. It's, it's just, it's garbage. You're lying, you're pretending that that person doesn't have any flaws because you're using them as an emotional and physical vehicle to get what you want. And during the power struggle phase, he says, if you're willing to ditch the problem and not the person, you can have true romance because something beautiful is trying to be born. So here's an example. When we got married, me and Amanda, I walked out into the living room and she was folding towels wrong. And, and I, I looked at her like, what are you doing? Now, I fold towels right. I don't know, just so you know. And I used to fold laundry with my mom growing up, um, so I'm really good at it. And, 
And Harville Hendricks has this phrase he uses, not wrong, different. Not wrong, different. Okay, you don't have like the objective corner on all things. Um, this is awesome couple I know, and they were telling me a story is hilarious. Um, that sim- similar situation where like one of them like didn't shut the shower curtain or something, and he was just like, "Oh my God, he hates me. He it because that's how it feels." You're like, they're not doing, here's what you're trying to do. You're trying to make that person into someone and it's actually you, which is very disturbing. Harville Hendricks kind of taps into this unhealthiness. He says that, he says that really, that person that you're trying to marry, that you want, you're trying to fix, and this is even creepier, right? Some like Freudian crap. Is like that you're using, you're trying to make them into the perfect parent. Ew. Ew. Because you have sex when you're married. That's gross, right? (laughs) So Harville Hendricks kind of explains, and what he's doing is saying, yo, this is just a thing. You have to deal with it. You you just, you have to deal with it. And if you don't deal with it, it's going to be very difficult um, in your life. And so the goal is to actually, when I do like marriage counseling, I like don't, I don't talk about finances or anything like that um, because that's just a symptom of the root, right? Communication. Yeah, we talk about that, but what we do is we like dig. I love helping people dig into why they do what they do, but it's a very scary thing. Here's what Jesus wants for you and I. He wants to reteach you how to be human, or as Thomas Merton, Henry Nouwen language, your true self. So you act out of your false self all the time. Just know that. Um, right? We do. I think Cody mentioned this morning, if you were at service, he said, we, you know, friendship. We walk up like, how's it going? It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, right? So did you say good eight times? And... And, and when you're in like Project 54, you're like, how are you doing? Like, I just took a crap on the sidewalk. How do you think I'm doing? You see? It's different. So we walk around and we got our pseudo spirituality and we act like we're all, right, Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And then when we pray, we pray, Father, I'm so excited today. You're just so good to us. But inside you're going, I hate my life, right? <laughs> so here's what... I'm going to tell you this story, and then I'll give you the, the, the three things, the three things that you can maybe begin um, to kind of just start doing this, because I think it's very important for you, for your future marriage, because most of you will get married. Be, marriage is not the ultimate destination, by the way. Just know that. Being single is, like, totally legit for the kingdom of God. Um, so, like, drink water. Just uh, get that? So... Um, So a couple months ago, this guy walked into this building. It was a Saturday night. I like run junior high on this on Saturday night. Um, and Trevor, da- it's Trevor Davis's buddy. If you guys don't know him, he's a he's an artist. And the guy looked all heroin chic, right? And um, sitting down, and he was talking to our junior high pastor, and he's like, "Oh, come over and meet him." Da, 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 da. And he and he had this kind of like, like talk like this. And then I was like, "What's going on?" And he was kind of like he looked all dungeon, like super cool. He was all dressed nice and everything. 
And so he's like kind of telling me his story, telling me his story. Well, the reason he was talking like that is because he's lost like 60% of his tongue. He's had cancer. And um, so check this out. He's a worship leader and a pastor. So his livelihood is what? He needs that thing. He needs his tongue. Like that's a kind of like that's like important. And so he's like telling us about it and telling his experience and, and what's going on. He's had two surgeries and they're like grafting his tongue back. And this guy's like one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. And we're just talking and he gets done with his story and he looks at me and I go, that sucks. And he was like, that does suck. And then he started telling me the truth because I gave him the right to feel. Jesus gives you the right to feel and feel well. Feel the correct emotion in any given situation. And then he started telling me how his wife took over his youth group and blew it up. Like it's just huge. And he's going, dude, I don't even know if I have my identity in Jesus right now or it's in my tongue. He said, I get letters every single day saying, you're going to beat this, man. He goes, what if I can't beat it? What if I can't? So he's like, now he's accepting all this pressure and he's like really challenged with his, he's facing his ego and he's even questioning his salvation because he's just like, dude, oh my gosh, like I'm seeing the affection that I have, the, the, the jealousy, maybe even the envy, like his wife is like doing things he wishes he could do. Can you imagine that? Why you are possibly dying and then you're like going through this like, just crazy emotional suffering and pain. And every day he goes, I can't handle the letters anymore. I said, tell him to stop. You're okay. You can do that. Don't read them. But in that moment, it was like I gave him a right to feel. Some of us don't even feel like we're allowed to because our culture, because our family. We haven't been taught. We don't, we don't know how. We don't know how to experience our pain. I don't know who it is, but they said the way the human brain, physiology, everything works is you cannot compartmentalize emotion. And if you suppress the dark, you can never experience the light, the joy. I went, oh my gosh. So everyone's pretending to be happy. Everyone's pretending because we live in a culture that no one feels. Nobody feels the real deal. Right, because we're taught not to, because when you, right, this is why people are always dismissing your pain. Have you ever, have you ever realized that when you're really going through it, people suck. People suck at, at, at just sitting and listening because they're uncomfortable with your pain. Do you know why? Because they're uncomfortable with their own pain. And most people are just disinterested in people. Have you noticed that? We're just rotten. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He gives God his feelings in prayer. Tim Keller is a phenomenal book on prayer. You should buy it if you, if you want to learn how to pray. That's a thing. You, you learn how to pray. And if you look all through the Psalms, you're going to see some of the most gnarly prayers you have ever seen. Unfiltered, completely just, here I am. Do you, you don't have to present your prayer life, like your heart. You don't have to clean up your heart before you go to God. He already knows your heart. You can't clean it up. You can't clean it up. 
you're getting in your own way of experiencing a dynamic, powerful relationship with God. You can't fake. You, can't, you don't need to fake it, right? Ever since the garden, we've been hiding. Ever since the garden, ever since the fall, Genesis 3, before that, we are rocking it. I always say that your first why is a lie and the truth is too honest. Bit redundant, right? Because the moment you ask yourself why you do what you do, you automatically present to yourself a lie, something that sounds better. I'm not doing, that's not, that's not my motivation. For sure it's your motivation. 100% it's your motivation. Or maybe it's some other motivation. Here's what I think. Tim Keller says this, that our greatest desire is to be fully known and fully loved. And so our greatest fear would be fully known and not loved, right? And I think that gets in the way of a very vibrant, kingdom-looking group of people. We're all so desperate, but we're all so afraid. We, so, we, want, we want to confess, and we want to be free, but we're so afraid of not, I don't really think we're afraid of other people. I think we're afraid of ourselves. We are our number one shamers. Shout out to Brene Brown, right? Is we shame ourselves the most. We accept shame. Shame was bestowed on us. Some of us are carrying around stuff that it's a whole nother night, right? And so he gives God his feelings. Then he gives God his desires, verse 39. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. The cup there is a metaphor for his impending, right, death on the cross. And in that moment, he is giving God his desires. So here's the thing. Your strongest desire and your deepest desires if you're a believer, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you know Jesus, if you have, okay, your strongest desire and your deepest desire often at odds, and your deepest desire as a believer is to completely surrender your sexuality to God, to completely surrender your future to God, to, right, which is the third thing, is to completely trust God with the outcome. Whatever your things are, whatever your desires are, your strongest desires, right? Have you noticed, have you noticed the beach lately? Like, it's pretty much like G-strings everywhere. Just keenies everywhere, right? It's very hard to find where you need to go walking like this, okay? It's very difficult, but I mean, that's kind of our culture, and so your strongest desire as a guy is to be like, shing, 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 right? You're like, <laughs> this is like, this is, right? <laughs> but your deepest desire, your deepest desire is to get a stick, right? And like guide yourself there, right? Because, you're, you're, because you want, you want, you want your actions to reflect the heart of God. That's what you want. It's your deepest. But some of you are not living out of that. I know I don't all the time. I, I, I know I don't all the time, and I know you don't either, and it's okay. What's not okay is for you to ignore it. And what you need to do is you need to trust God. And it sounds very similar, but verse 42 is different than 39. 
Because he says this, my father, if it is not possible, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. Did you see that? Yo, can I not go to the cross? Can you pass the cup, yo? He didn't want to. He didn't, are you, I, I don't want, I wanted a father. Still do. Still do. Jesus didn't want to go. But what does he say? My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. God has given you a brand new heart. And I know that you want the heart of God. And I know I do too. But it's not that simple. You got to practice some things. You got to do some things. You got to take ownership of some things. And you can't do it alone. You got to do it corporately. And you can't, you can't pass the buck on anybody here and go, they weren't welcoming. Get a life, man. Do something, yo. Get involved and keep showing up. And join your brothers and sisters and invite people into your life. Get vulnerable. Get courageous for the kingdom of God. Give your feelings, give your desires, and trust God. And enter in that way. Let me pray for us and we'll get out of here. Father, I know um, on the daily I wake up and I'm looking to build my cheesy little kingdom. And God, I make things that um, have zero importance and significance in this world, in this life of, of, of utmost significance, God. And uh, I know just collectively we live in a culture that is constantly telling us to build this world's kingdom. God, but you instituted the upside-down kingdom. You gave us a new heart that we can do your will, that we can invite kingdom come, right, here, right now. And so, God, would you help us? Would you help us surrender? Would you help us fall down and give up what we desire so that we can live in your grace and your compassion and as you would have us live as your daughters and as your sons. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.